Perhaps the most controversial topic of discussion in our day revolves around truth. Opinions often blur the lines of an objective truth. Streaming platforms, social media, and other mediums allow individuals to project their truths upon the masses like never before. In the midst of woke, cancel culture, religious freedoms, political liberties, social injustice, we attempt to search for and reveal the truth. This is Truth Revival. And we're back. This is episode 25 of Truth Revival. We are so excited. Paul, did you ever think we'd make it to 25? No, I didn't. Honestly, uh, no, I really didn't. It's been a, uh, it's been a good ride. I know, man. I am. I have uh, thoroughly enjoyed myself so far. And, uh, we got a very special guest on here today. Uh, His name is Jeremiah Chapman. Jeremiah, you and Paul, uh, have got a little bit of history together. Wouldn't you say? We, yeah, we go way back. So yeah, I was, um, I was born at an early age and, uh, I was Paul and just so happened we were about there at the same time. So, um, that, um, so, so we're first cousins, our dad, our dads, uh, were brothers and, um, and we kind of grew up together for a little while. And then our family moved off, uh, to Georgia where we were young, but we still, um, we're very close uh, together growing up and in different phases of, of in stages of life and and everything. So, well, that's awesome. Uh, well, Jeremiah, tell us a little bit about you, about your ministry, and um, and then we'll just dive right into the topic today. The overall thing um, about my life and testimony is that. Um, it, and I tell people this all the time, if you, and you've probably heard the saying before, if you ever see a turtle on a fence post, uh, you know that it didn't get there by itself. And <laughs> so um, there's been a lot of that in my life. Uh, for me to be able to um, have done some of the things and for the Lord to be able to put me in some of the places that he's put me is just incredible. Um, you know, I grew up um, like a lot of people now that um come to find out i had adhd growing up i was very horrible at school my behavior was horrible i got into trouble like like crazy and by the time i rolled around into the ninth grade i wound up dropping out of out of high school and just assumed that you know i would be like a lot of um my family in georgia would just be working in a a factory the rest of my life in fact you know i even tried that life starting at 16 i worked at a chicken plant and then later on uh worked at a t-shirt factory and um and just thought that was going to be my life and just slowly uh throughout time man the lord just really got a hold of my heart there, there was my life and testimony was a roller coaster experience um, of, you know, trying to get just hot fire for God. And then, you know, I would be as cold as ice and then back and <laughs> forth. And uh, my, my experience was that for years and years. And it was so frustrating to the point where I actually gave up. I didn't give up on God, uh, but I, I remember specifically in, in this weird 
sacrilegious prayer that I prayed, you just saying, God, I can't live the way that these people want me to live. It's impossible. I, I cannot do that. So I believe in you. I believe in your word. I believe it's true. But I give up. I, I can't do this. And and a lot of people, you know, may say, you know, that's bold to say that to God. But every word of that was true. I couldn't do mm. it. And and I was. I was trying to be very, very religious because I was told that that's how we live for God is that we, you know, we obey this set of rules, you know, don't smoke, drink or chew or date girls that do. And uh, I had done all those. (laughs) (laughs) I remember. Yeah. (laughs) The Chapman way. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So um, the, you know, it was at that time that the Lord really, really, really used that. Um, I had this time away from the church in my early twenties. Um, and I had went into law enforcement, you know, I had got a GED, I had went to community college and I'd went into law enforcement and, you know, was working my job, was going to live my life. And, um, you know, as, as my uh, two oldest kids started getting, uh, a little bit older school age, my wife and I decided to pull them, you know, that, that we wanted them to to be in church. And so there was a church close to us and they were having a vacation Bible school. Uh, we decided to start taking them. And so I had another one of these sacrilegious prayer meetings with, with the Lord and said, okay, God, I will go back to church. I'll keep my family in church. Um, I'm going to give a bunch of money and I'm going to sit on the back row and do nothing. I don't want to be involved. I don't, you know, and so, but God's like, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Come on in. And, uh, and for about a year that, that pastor uh, began preaching, you know, it seemed like every message was that God's not done with you yet. You know, there's you, you, in fact, there was a specific message he, he preached about the mission not being aborted and um, that God hasn't given up on me. And so I remember one time um, I was in the police academy and my partner, my, my friend that had went to the police academy with me, he was, we were in our hotel room and he'd left to go somewhere and I was flipping through channels and uh, I flipped through and saw a TV preacher I'd never seen before and, um, and just flipped right on by, man. And it was like the Holy Spirit just grabbed my heart and said, go back and and I was like, no, I've sworn off all this. I'm not, you know, going to, you know, listen to that and stuff. And so I eventually went back and it was kind of the same message. You know, no matter how much you've screwed up, no matter how much, um, you know, that you think that you've messed up, that God is not going to use you. His calling is still on your life. Amen. It's like, wow. You know, and so it was it was a uh, series of years that God continued to do that. And inch by inch, year by year, um, you know, I found myself surrendering to the Lord um, and doing something that I found out later. You know, I had said the sinner's prayer growing up every time I got in trouble, every time uh, (laughs) it stormed, uh, you know, every time that I felt like I was going to hell because of something I said or joked about. Um, and I had said, you know, a half a dozen times, probably been baptized like four or five times as a kid. 
because, you know, the last time wasn't the actual right time. And so when I was 27 years old, um, I had actually left. It was Father's Day, June 19th, 2005. And my oldest daughter and I um, were going to go to church that evening. It got to this point where the Lord was drawing me. The Lord was pulling me into, you know, his grace. And and I wanted to be at church now. And right. so um, my daughter and I, I don't know why my wife and son um, weren't going that night. And so we, we drive down to the church and service had been canceled because it was Father's Day. I didn't know that. And so here we are, 6, 6 p.m., sitting in the parking lot. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh. You know, and I was so excited about coming and, and hearing the word. And so about an hour away, I knew of another church. And I said, I think they start at 7. And so me and my daughter drove an hour um, to this other church in Dawsonville, Georgia. We walked in, we were a few minutes late, but the music was going. And that night, I didn't know this, but they were having a camp meeting and a 19 year old young man here. I was, you know, 27 at the time. This was the guy that was preaching that night. He was preaching on the cross. Well, I finally had this great moment of surrender where I walked, you know, to, to the front and I literally said these words. I said, God, I want you more than anything and I'm willing to do whatever it takes, you know, that, you know, that kind of posturing. And, and so that night was different than any other time that I had prayed a sinner's prayer. It was completely different. And I, I want to tell you, it, it took me about two years after that to realize exactly what had happened and what had happened in my life was biblical repentance. Total surrender. Yeah the of the of the surrender of turning from sin see i walked in you know i did i had um, i had been smoking since i was like 14 or 15 years old and and felt like god would never be able to use me and i would never be able to kick that habit you know i was still looking occasionally at inappropriate things on the internet and as i matured a lot of that had you know kind of went away but i still never could stop it i never could get those things out of my life but after this experience I had with God that night, it was like I had power over sin. It was, it was like the Holy Spirit had done something so powerful in my life that I was a new person. And, and I literally, I didn't know this until later on. And I'm, I'm going to tell you, so I, was, I listened back a few episodes just to kind of hear how you guys do things. And, and Roman, I heard you mention Ray Comfort. It was it was through Ray's book, The Way of the Master book, that I realized that I had experienced biblical repentance is, is what happened. And so, you know, during that time, I'd done what, you know, all uh, young students of the word did. You know, I, I went and started a Christian heavy metal band. What was cool? So that's another link between Paul and I. We could probably do a bonus episode just yes. on being on the road and yep. uh, the victories, the mistakes, the... Yes. Why not? Let's do crazy. it. We, we could do an entire one. On, I know we've both got powerful stories. You know, Jeremiah, about. Paul has never really let me in on to the old Paul, if you know what I'm saying. He has shut the old <laughs> yeah. guy out. And I, I would like to get a deeper glimpse into the, uh, onto the road, Paul, I guess you would say. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. 
No, <laughs> no, we had some great. We, I'm sure we have some cringe moments, but there was also a lot of miracles that happened out on the road. A lot of really yeah. great things, and um, and um, believe it or not, there's there's people, and I'm sure this is um, and Paul's experience too. There's people that are alive today because yeah. there was a band available uh, for yep. them at their their deepest time. You know, I agree. So. Um, so, you know, I had started doing this evangelism training with Way of the Master and um, and took that out on out on the road. And, you know, I wanted to share more evangelistically from the stage. But what I wound up doing is doing more one on one. And so almost immediately um, we went and played. And Paul, I think you had introduced me to this guy years ago. Um, somewhere up in Tennessee, there was a club called the basement and yeah. 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 So, uh, the only thing I remember is, um, a deacon from my church who found out where we were playing and he said, yeah, there's a Jack Daniels distillery there. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, whatever. <laughs> anyway. So we're at the basement and this, um, this 16 year old, you know, kid, he, uh, he comes to the Lord and, um, I talked to him about biblical repentance and stuff. And I find out later that from the uh, club owner, the guy who runs the ministry there, that this kid had been coming for years. They've been praying for him. He never was a believer, but he liked to come and hang out there and come to find out he had walked like two or three miles uh, to be there that night. And, um, wow. and so, so uh, as things progressed, um, there was um, a youth pastor at my church there in Georgia, who um, he had left, he'd, he'd uh, taken a job at another church. And so as I'm going out and, you know, we're, we're playing 50 something shows a year and, and I'm still maintaining a job or whatever, as I'm driving into my church every Sunday morning, I'm seeing all these kids hang out in our youth building with no youth pastor. And, um, and so eventually it was kind of like the Lord spoke to me and said, you know, man, you're going all over the place, but you are not even, you know, even working in your own town. And so, um, so eventually it was actually the church that had came to me and, and, and asked me to be the youth pastor. And, um, and so that took off really well. I never wanted to be in church ministry and uh and but that was the start of the lord doing something amazing in my life uh so after several years of doing that um in addition to being a police officer in addition to being a quote-unquote rock star and <laughs> you know all those things i say that very tongue-in-cheek because that is so much not the truth um but um but it was over this time that you know uh, the Lord revealed to me, you know, exactly what my calling was and, and how to be serving in, in the local church. And, um, and so in 2012, I left, um, left my, my career as a, as a police officer and, uh, went to Bible college and came back, uh, to Georgia and worked for a year at another church. And then that church, uh, sent me, to North Carolina, uh, where I live now, um, to be able to go to seminary. And, um, and so I graduated from there in 2019. And, and when I say, you know, just with my academic background, um, 
to be able to have those experiences and to do some of those things, it's just, it's, it's actually, it's very miraculous, you know, to, uh, uh, to experience some of that. The favor of God. Yeah. Bottom yeah, line. absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So what, where are you at now, Jeremiah? What are you doing now? So I am, uh, an associate and family pastor in, uh, in Durham, North Carolina. Um, I'm at Emmanuel Baptist church and, um, uh, just a great congregation, uh, just a, a bunch of very, very loving people, multi-generational. It's just, you know, uh, we're just right outside of downtown. And so, um, you know, we have a, a mixture of all kinds of different backgrounds and, and, and people and um, just absolutely love it. I love what God's doing in our city. I love what he's doing in our church. And, and that's where I'm serving now. Yeah, that's awesome. I think it, it's easy. Uh, with the way things are now and and the time that we're living in with the culture we're living in to get discouraged and um at the end of the day we got to focus on jesus and, and yeah. if we focus on jesus the ministry will take care of itself and i think too many times we get our eyes on what's going on around us and and, and we have to have eternal eternal eyes with blinders on to the father and mm-hmm. uh, and and i think you know if when we do that we can live out loud as sons and daughters as you were talking about so mm-hmm. um the, the thing about it is by nature, we're children of wrath, you know, yeah. and, mm-hmm. and, and until we have that true salvation experience, we don't understand or even comprehend how it is to live as sons and daughters. And I think in that two year span, God was, God was taking you and molded to reveal to you, Hey, you are really my son. This is what I have for you. So yeah. If you would, man, just take it away. Uh, what you feel led on your heart. Sure. We'll yeah. Just, we'll so just go with it. Um, so I had started, you know, this live out loud kind of, uh, I don't know, meditation or, you know, something that the Lord, you know, was speaking to me about that. But um, it, and it's probably not what you expect because, you know, I, I've been exposed and being on the road and and you have too been exposed to a lot of very strong leaders in, in, yeah. in the Christian marketplace and in, in churches and you know, I've been around the guys that have the the big Jesus is Lord, you know, painted all over their truck or or even Satan sucks or, you know, and these guys that you <laughs> yeah. know, do all this stuff. And so for so long uh, and, and those are a lot of guys that are really, really good guys. Um, but for so long, the more boisterous and the more out loud I thought that these guys were, that's that's what I was chasing after. And so I would yeah. have poser sometimes act like you know these guys or talk like these guys and stuff and so but as you get into scripture you see you know an antithesis to that you see jesus wasn't like that no jesus not at all going around getting in people's face and everything so i want you to listen to this um this verse here that will fly in the face of what we think living out loud is. And it is First uh, Thessalonians 4, and Apostle Paul writes, he says, make it your goal to live a quiet life. You're like, what? I thought, I, you know, I thought the, the bigger event <laughs> that I was having, the, uh, you know, the more impact that I was, you know, changing my city and getting out and, you know, and, and, giving these powerful talks and sermons and just, you know, just, and no, Paul says, make your goal to live a quiet life. Okay. How am I supposed to live out loud if I'm living a quiet life? And this is minding your own business. 
Oh my gosh, man. We could make a series. <laughs> make it your goal to live a quiet life, minding your own business and working with your hands, just as we instructed you to before. Then people who are not believers will respect the way you live and you yep. will not need to depend on others. But listen to what Jesus says in uh, John 13, 35. He says, your love for one another. Now, this is right before he's going to leave, be crucified. And this is what he's telling them. He says, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Yep. And the, the truth is, is the louder that we want to live, or the louder that we do live, is going to happen through the quieter and the more loving and compassionate that we are. Yeah. You're right. And so I don't need to, you know, have all the big ministry stuff. And that's okay for, for the guys that do. But but we have to also look for those of us that are called to ministry and those of us that are, that are um, you know, which we all, all are called to ministry. But, you know, those of us that are called to vocational ministry or working in the church need, need to realize there's, we're in a very special point in 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 our history of of church history and and to look back and a lot of these guys that were making the biggest splash over the last couple decades are the guys that are making the biggest negative impact now at their failed leadership stories yeah yeah you're right and and i think about and you're you know as well as i do we've been talking about music maddie montgomery from Ford. yeah he was with for today yeah, he actually was doing all these conferences all over, and, and and big time, you know, drawing the crowd, drawing the crowd. He packed up from Mobile, Alabama, and came to Johnson City, Tennessee, to start the Altar Fellowship. And, and I heard him talk. I listened to his podcast a lot, and he was saying, "Look, the Lord's calling us to focus on family and community." Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and if we do that, you know, and that, and that's being a quiet life, focus on family and the community I'm living in, not. All, he said, all these conferences are great and good and all, but we're going to find who he really is in all these conferences. We're going to find who he is by coming together with family and community and really getting to know him and just live out loud, live our calling uh, yeah. amongst one another in, in a small-time atmosphere. Small-time is going to create the big-time. Sure. Yeah, that's 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 so. it. You know, And we have to realize, you know, and, and I say this a lot in my church, too, is the, the only superstar— here is Jesus. Yeah. You know, I'm going to let yeah. you down. I'm going to fail. You've yeah. got to understand that. And the only, the only superstar, the only rock star that there needs to be is, is Jesus. That's, that's who we're pointing, pointing to, because if we're building, you know, people up to, to look at us or to, you know, trying to build our brand or trying to, you know, and I realize in ministry, there's a certain amount of marketing and we're, you know, we're in this oh, marketplace yeah. and there's a, there's a certain amount of things that we, we do need to do. But at the same time, we, we really need to judge our intentions very, very strongly and find out, right. are we walking with Jesus in that? Are we being led by the spirit uh, in, in those things? So, um, yeah, you know, so that's the kind of the living out loud part, but the next is like as sons and daughters. And I think, I think you said something very key about what Maddie Montgomery said about uh, focusing on families. Um, You know, it it is a proven fact that, um, you know, there's all kinds of science, secular science to back this up 
that if we want to reduce crime rates, if we want to increase education, if we want to, you know, want to see a lot of the positive things that we're wanting to see in our facilities, it's going to happen through the family. It's going to, it's going to be, it's going to happen through well, uh, well loved children growing up in a loving home with both parents. And, and listen, if, if you're listening and, and you're a single mom or a single dad or something like that, that's, that's not a condemnation on you. Um, and I believe that God uh, will step in in those those areas to, and there are plenty of kids that grow up in single parent parent homes that that do do well. But you know, but there is science out there. There's the the research that shows, and something that the Bible tells us, you know, that um, that that is the family structure and everything in this narrative of that's pushing in from this secularist humanistic culture is is really trying to do away with the family you know we we farm out our education to culture we're farming out our entertainment to culture we're farming out you know all these different things that are supposed to even even our spirituality you know we we drop kids off at youth group and 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 sunday school and stuff like that and we're not involved with our own kids discipleship. Um, yeah. And so, you know, even we as a church, you know, have said, okay, we've got to stop this. And that's one reason I have, um, you know, we, we done away with the silos of kids ministry, youth ministry and all that stuff. And we have family ministry at our church uh, yeah. just for that specific reason. Now we still do Sunday school. We still do discipleship youth camp kids camp we do all those things but we're doing it intentionally with the with partnering with parents and the discipleship of their children and and really um because you know our, our parents are the spiritual leaders first of, of their kids yes. and not the youth pastor not the sunday school teacher and so and so we want to do a better job of equipping parents to know what that means and, and how to do that so um so what about us as sons and daughters of God? So we see this. Um, it, it's so powerful what we see in Scripture um, in, between, in between this relationship with God as a son or a daughter. God creates man. We're the only, out of all of his creation, we're the only people that bear his image. And so... But it's not just us that are followers of God that bear his image. It's every human being. Okay? Yeah, that's what it that's It's what it every, yeah. every human being. It's, you know, even the unrepentant sinner bears the image of God. And you're like, yeah. whoa, wait a second. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm even talking about the most heinous criminal you could possibly think of. That person is bearing the image of God in some ways, somehow. God creates everything. We see that in Genesis 1-1. We see that God creates, and we see that he's created man and woman in his image. It says he created them male and female. And so we see this relationship before sin. We see a relationship that God has created because we see Adam walking with God in the cool of the day. We see them spending time. And um, 
And, and God has created this perfect environment to share with his image bearer, with his son and his daughter that he's, that he's put out here. And so a lot of times I was really glad to hear that you guys did a show on creation and, and from an apologetics view, because it's so very important. Um, but, you know, theologically and even personally, we need to understand how powerful the creation story is in our salvation and how important it is in our story as an image bearer uh, of God, because God desired this relationship with us and desires it with all of his image bearers, uh, even before sin had tainted uh, the story. So, um, so we see God as creator. God designed specifically his creator uh, or creation. And then we see God give his image um, to only one of his creations. And then after he gives him his image, what he does next is he gives him dominion over this perfect environment. Yeah. And so this is all before sin. This is all before the breakdown. Of, of all this stuff. And so there's this powerful, powerful verse in Genesis one twenty eight, right there in, in God's, it's talking about God's given dominion. God's given his image. God's done this and listen to this. And it says, God bless them. And we see this picture of a father blessing his son and blessing his daughter. And so yes. we see, you know, I've made a few notes on this that, you know, this is a coronation, this is a marriage, this is a charge. It's just, it's just a blessing. Uh, something when I do, when I do weddings and you, you mentioned this with the family, something that I do when I do weddings is I always, always talk about this because I believe it's so powerful because marriage is so involved throughout scripture is this is, we see marriage. This is the first kind of human institution, um, in between a, a man and a woman, and it takes place as a part of God's original plan. This is before sin, before a lot of things had went uh, wonky in our world. And so the Bible starts with a marriage. And then all through the Old Testament, we see this priority given to marriage and how marriages were celebrated in Jewish culture. We even see... God specifically telling Hosea to marry uh, a specific woman so Gomer. that he can understand this relationship um, that yeah. he's that he's got with us. And then I, you know, I don't think it's an accident. A lot of people might say this is coincidental, but the fact that Jesus does his first miracle, he waits to do his first miracle at a, at a wedding. You know, at I a wedding. Yeah, I can't interesting help think that. And then. You know, we we see all the way uh, through the New Testament from that point. You know, this relationship of the of the bride and the groom, and then listen at the consummation of all things when Jesus makes all things new. Listen, the Bible ends with a wedding, with us coming together, and so wow. all throughout Scripture, we see this giant view of how God sees marriage. Now. As his sons and daughters, if we were to see the way God prioritized marriage, would we treat it a lot different? I mean, most of us, if you think about it, most of us that claim to be Christians, uh, you know, most Christian couples base their marriage 
off of what they see on TV, not what they <laughs> see out of the Word of God. Yeah, or, or, or even social media, you know, or my man doesn't hold me like that, or my wife doesn't dance with me like that, you know, and, and, and those things like that. But what if we were to really get this biblical theology and make it a part of our personal theology when it comes to who we are as sons and daughters and who we are um, in light of God's view of marriage? And so, um, you know, I say all that to say this. I, I believe that there's holes in our gospel story. We've tried to, uh, we've been so zealous to uh, be evangelists, to win people to Christ, that we, we try to summarize the gospel story down to a, a three or four different sentence thing. And I don't think it was ever meant to be that. Be something that you could sit there and say, hey, this is the ABCs of accepting Christ, you know. Um, and because, you know, have you guys ever heard that before? The ABCs is uh, admit that you're a sinner. Believe right. Yeah. And, yeah. So, mm-hmm. And that's good. And, and I'm sure that there's people that's come to Christ through using a s- simple message in that. But people are really like people that are growing up in church and living their entire lives uh, under Bible preachers are missing this beautiful, wonderful story that God has given us. Uh, and there, there's, there's a hole in it. There's a hole about creation. Um, and that is that we as human beings, as sons and daughters, we have a history before sin. God had an original plan. And yeah. I believe that that is true because our story doesn't start with you're a sinner and you need to repent. Our story starts with there was a garden and we used to walk. Mankind used to walk with God. And be in the presence of God. And we used to have this relationship. And just as important about that is our hold that we leave out about the future things. About how God's going to make all things new. That when we look at heaven, when we look at the new heaven, the new earth, the new Jerusalem, when we look at those things and understand exactly the magnitude of what eternity is, man, that's huge. And it will change the way people live to know that that's what we're expecting. I would venture to say when it comes to the topic of heaven and when it comes to the topic of eternity, that there's more Christians sitting in pews or seats or beanbags or whatever you sit in that are so agnostic in their view about heaven and eternity, or they've just kind of made their own junk up, you know, like, hey, me and grandma's going to sit on the porch and sing her favorite hymns together. I mean, you've you've heard those songs before, (laughs) but God has this awesome plan this awesome thing where things are going to be restored through the way that they originally were supposed to be. And that is going to be as sons and daughters. Amen. Yep. So if we see this creation story and we, we fill in this hole of being sons and daughters walking in this perfect environment with God. And then we see at the end of the story, us walking as sons and daughters, there is a an implication there that we need to be living as sons and daughters now living yes. you know that he's 
um, you know, we are living in the already and not yet, you know, we, um, you know, and that's where we're leaving a hole. We've left a hole about creation. We've left a, a hole about future things. And right now, a lot of times we're leaving out a hole about sanctification. Now, sanctification yeah. is, um, is kind of a theological word, and, um, and a lot of people really don't understand that. So it sounds like a very churchy word, but um, let's, let's put it in the context of God's will and God's calling in, in your life. Okay, Most people, uh, that's probably one of the questions, especially with teenagers, I get more about it. Teenagers that are about to go to college is, I want to know what God's calling my life. What's God called me to do? What's that thing? And a lot of times they mean, has God called me to be a missionary? Has God called me to be a nurse, a doctor, lawyer, engineer? What What is it that God's called me to do? And so what we have to understand is a son or daughter of God, God has called us first. He has a plan. He has a will. And it's more pressing than our vocation and what we'll do. And that will is for us to become more and more like Jesus. And, and if we could stop just for a minute doing conferences on understanding what God's will is for your life, and we could stop just for a minute writing books about God's will and, um, you know, and trying to figure those things out and taking these tests to try to figure out those things out and just understand that for, b- before all that, God has a will, God has a plan, and that's for us to become more and more like Jesus. Now, at salvation, we, we receive His holiness. We receive His righteousness. God, when He looks down at me, He no longer sees the guy who stole or who did drugs or, you know, uh, was involved in premarital sex and and he no longer sees that. He, he looks down because the blood has been applied and he looks down and he sees the righteousness of Jesus. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, Paul, after a long day of work, you're tired, Heather's tired, or maybe even after church on Sunday afternoon. Everybody's got to eat. So where are you going? I'm going down to see Juan and the family at Senor Lopez, 105 Mecca Pike, Teleco Plains, Tennessee, where the food is fresh and the family is welcome. Come home for dinner at Senor Lopez. And now, the continuation of Truth Revival. Hey, Jeremiah. <laughs> Jeremiah, let me, uh, let me throw in a couple Bible verses right there. So sure, in, yeah, yeah. in Colossians 1.21... Um, it says, and you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works. So, I mean, yeah, from the beginning, uh, we were, Adam was a son of God, Eve, a daughter of God, and we being children of Adam. But something happened, sin happened, and sin, yeah. sin separated us from God. And as a result... We were born in this Adamic nature, and we became enemies of God. David said, from my mother's womb, I was, I was born into this sin. So <clears throat> it's because of our sin that we, who were once children of God, actually became enemies of God. Children of wrath, yep. yep. Okay, now, now, and then he says right here at the end, he goes, 
yet now hath he reconciled or God mm-hmm. has brought it full circle. God mm-hmm. has brought you back unto him. Also in uh, Romans 5, 10, hear, hear this. For if when you were enemies, enemies of God, wow, guys, separated from the love of the Father. For if when you were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. That's how much God loves us. Absolutely. Absolutely. That he would send his own son to mm-hmm. die for his enemies. I think that's pretty much, that's, that's incredible right there. So look here, and he says, For if when you were enemies, you were reconciled to God by the death of his son, how much more, being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's so good. Unbelievable. Um, yeah. So at one time, we were enemies of God, but it's mm-hmm. only through the gospel that we can be reconciled unto the Father. And so once we begin to figure out our, our identity, mm-hmm. right? Um, yeah. I think there's an accuser out there, the yeah. devil. Oh, yeah. And he's Absolutely. and he's gonna try to say, you know what, he's gonna try to bring up those mistakes of the past. Mm-hmm. He's gonna try to bring up our faults, our failures, our insecurities. And guys, I don't know about y'all, but that is one thing that I struggled with as a young man was figuring out who I am. Yeah. My identity. Yeah, that, that, that's huge. You're right. Once you and, fig- and I think we still struggle with that mm-hmm. to this day, you know? You're right, Paul. We do struggle with it. and But if we continue to marinate in Scripture, if we continue to, to feed this into our spirit, that we're no longer enemies of God, but we're children mm-hmm. of God. Yeah, and, and we got to understand too, Ron. Once we receive that salvation and that justification and that sanctification, we got to understand that when we're a son of God, our present possession in the now, right now, is Him. Our present possession of the believer is Him, mm-hmm. and we have all these blessings that come with being a son. Listen to this: Romans eight fourteen. All who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. We're sons and daughters are object to God's peculiar love. We receive that. We're in His care. We have the family name. We have the family likeness. We have a filial spirit, meaning we have assumed a relationship as a son or a daughter. We have the family service. We get chastisement from the Father because he loves us. We have comfort from the Father. And the greatest thing we receive, the blessing, is the inheritance at the end. The inheritance at the end. Like Mm -hmm. Jeremiah was saying, hey, he starts his miracle at a wedding. He ends his thing up at a wedding. And that's what he's wanting us to focus on as a son and daughter. Train our children up in the way they should go. At the end, they won't depart from it. It starts at home. God help us. We have failed. Hey, hey, boys, I tell you, we just got done with Thanksgiving. And I always look forward to the Hamilton feast, the West feast at Thanksgiving. Did the Chapmans have a big feast back in the day? Oh, yeah. Christmas time, man. Yeah, it was. I mean, we always had Thanksgiving, but I remember Christmas. Christmas was the big deal. Yeah, okay. Christmas was the big deal, you know, and um, and, so, and and that was the first time I ever saw somebody living out loud. Mm-hmm. You know, but the but I, the I family. All, I don't want to get all sentimental or or all whatever, but but I <laughs> I want to say this. Jeremiah's dad. I saw in him what it meant to lay it all down mm-hmm. for the father. Mm. And then, and then later on in life, I saw my dad 
go mm-hmm. and go and go and, and do all this stuff and, and be like, man, what are you doing? I'm a son. Mm-hmm. I'm honoring my father. Wow. Yeah. And the biggest thing I remember about Uncle Jerry is every year at Christmas, he, w- he was a jail minister. I know he's been all to all the churches here in our area, you know, his jail ministry. And we would pack these bags every Christmas to take to the jail. And they would go deliver them. And I remember I got to go one time. Mm-hmm. And I will never forget. There's a crack about this big. I know people listening can't see it, but it's about an inch thick under the door mm-hmm. of like the holding cells. The door was closed and there was a little window there. Him laying on his belly, talking through the crack. Mm. Yeah. Leading a man to Jesus. Unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Living out loud as a son, doing what we're called to do, loving people. But here's the thing. His family came first. Yeah. The family came first. And when the family comes first, what you're doing in ministry, what you're doing at the church, what you're doing in the community will be unbelievably blessed. Yeah. And you and you'll have that fruit of the spirit because you're led by the by the father. Listen, the blessings of God, it, it comes with evidence does being a son or daughter comes with evidence you're led by the spirit you have a childlike confidence in him you have liberty of access like you said you were playing those uh, sacrilegious prayers it, you can pray a thousand of them because you have unlimited access to him because he says come unto me mm-hmm. come unto me we have a love for the brethren we love the brethren we abide in the light and and the biggest thing we have as evidence of a son or daughter is we obey Yeah, we have obedience. We have obedience. I mean, I've got scriptures to back all this up, but I'm not going to get into all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But 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 I'm telling you, man, it's it's unbelievable that when you really realize who he is and what he is and and the path that that we have, it's it's almost like we've taken the same path in two different states. Yeah, honestly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, And um, it's just unbelievable how God is totally rearranged you from from that time as a young man to now and and i mean we were both crazy i i I think i may have got a little (laughs) more dumb than him but uh but god has always had his hand on us we we come from a long line of of preachers in Mm -hmm. our family the Mm -hmm. chapmans have been uh, i mean a long lineage of of, of men of god that we never knew about and it's funny how our our dad's family man they were all crazy oh yeah. yeah i mean like like maybe three of them turned out normal mm-hmm. and the rest of them were, were lunatics. And, and you tell the name in town, they're like, Oh God, get away from them. You know, and, and the, the, the devil tried, tried to, to dampen and put out the fire that God had put in us from the beginning. Sure. Yeah. From that seed of being a son and a do- of mm-hmm. being a son, you know, that thing came down. And, and when you're adopted, it, it is, this says, Hey, you take on the family name. You take on the family identity mm-hmm. and we come from a long line of pre- preachers and evangelists and the, it tried to get put out here Yeah, in, in this line. And God said, Hey, no, I'm not putting mm-hmm. it out. I'm raising, I'm raising uh, two of these guys up out of this family to stand for me, to be, to be my children, to teach their families. And now look, yeah, you know, here we are promoting the gospel like our fathers did mm-hmm. with the same, with the same authority, with the same anointing. And our ministry will be greater than theirs. And then our son's ministries are going to be greater than ours. It's unbelievable what God has done as being a son. The blessing, the evidence, it's unbelievable. I can't thank him enough. So check this out, Paul. 
what does God tell Adam and Eve at the end? Um, he said, therefore, go, go forth, be fruitful, and, and, multiply. and multiply. Bringing it yeah, back to yeah. the last episode where you was talking about spiritual multiplication. You know, yeah. the you want to see the, um, you know, the fruit of the Spirit, uh, the manifestation of your faith. Share the gospel. Jeremiah, mm-hmm, you talked yeah. about evangelism earlier. That right there, multiplying your faith in someone else, sharing the gospel and allowing other people to receive Christ, that is one of the greatest things that we can do as a child of God is to sow the seed of the gospel in people's heart and to see them come to faith in Christ. Um, Paul, I was going somewhere earlier with a thought that I had, but I want to say this. I've had several people tell me, they say, you know, Roman, one of the things we like best about the podcast is when Paul just gets tore up. <laughs> when Paul gets excited about something. <laughs> uh, but I, but I, I wanted know. to say earlier, you know, about the um, about Thanksgiving, about, about Christmas, mm-hmm. about the feasts that we have here in the natural world and our families. Just imagine the marriage supper of the Lamb, guys. Oh, my God. What yeah, that's going to be like. Yeah. yeah. You know, when the king of the universe spares no expense when the family is all brought back together. <laughs> and you know what, Paul? Yeah. That'll be a reunion with your dad. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, Jeremiah, I got to hear you share the eulogy or your, 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 your passion and your love for brother Frank at mm-hmm. his, at his funeral. Um, has, uh, has your dad passed on? Yeah. Yeah. He Jerry? passed in 2000. So. Yeah. And, and what a reunion day that's going to be mm-hmm. at the marriage supper of the lamb. <laughs> And, yeah. and so, so guys, we were once enemies of God, but through the gospel, through faith in Christ, we have become reconciled. And Paul, you said that we bear witness of our faith because we're led by the Spirit. Now, look at look here, look at Romans chapter eight, verse number sixteen and seventeen. And the Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Amen. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. Yeah, exactly. Guys, genealogy was a big deal in Hebrew culture. Mm-hmm. Why in the world did they keep track of all of those names and who was born unto so-and-so and so-and-so begat so-and-so? Because names meant something. Yeah. Family meant something. A lineage and a line meant something. And so, guys, we are heirs with Christ. We have access to the benefits and the things of God through Christ. Now, look here. It says, if so be that we suffer with him. Yeah. That we suffer with him. And I'm afraid that, Jeremiah, as you said earlier, we have diluted the gospel Mm-hmm. To just admit, believe, confess. And I mean, I was coming in uh, to the podcast this morning, listening to the radio, and somebody said, um, If you've never accepted Christ, I just want you to pray this simple prayer with me, and you can go to, you can have faith in Christ, and uh, you can spend eternity in heaven with God. And, and that's what it's become. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we just want you to make sure you have fire insurance. Yeah. You know, you, nobody wants to go to hell, mm-hmm. but 
if, if you'll just pray this prayer, then you can be saved and then you can live your life just like just the rest of the way you want to live it. And uh, you don't have to go to church. You don't have to uh, you know read your Bible. You don't have to study. You don't have to multiply your faith. Now, the Bible says if you suffer with him, if you pick up the cross, any man who will follow after Christ must deny himself, pick up the cross and follow after me. So we've got to suffer with Christ. There's some things we got to endure. And mm-hmm. it, took, it took you a while, Jeremiah, to come to that place of submission unto the Lord. Yeah, yeah. I received Christ at the age of six. Mm-hmm. But I had to work out my own salvation with fear and trembling. It took me a while to kind of get to that place where it wasn't my, mo- my mother or father's faith anymore. Mm-hmm. But it was my faith. And where I decided, you know, I'm going to follow Jesus. No turning back. Mm-hmm. There's been hardships along the way, and there's been opportunities for me to um, lay down the cross. And I'd say that anybody who's followed Christ for any length of time has at one point said, I'm done with this. <laughs> yeah. Wanted to quit. Wanted to back out on God. But Jeremiah said, it's like a fire in my bones. Yeah. <laughs> I just yeah. can't. I just can't quit on God. I just can't give up on the Lord. And so when we suffer with him, one day we will also be glorified together with him. And that's at the marriage supper of the lamb. Yeah. So I'm glad that, that you brought that up because I think there's a major fallacy and you guys have probably heard people share the, you know, there's a God shaped hole in you um, kind of theory and, you know, and the reason you're, you know, you're searching for all these things and you're trying to fill that hole with alcohol or you're trying to fill that with, with girls, or you're trying to fill it with, with work and success or whatever. And you never will find full completion until you fill that with God. What the the thing is, that is a very self-centered story. And so just what you brought up, nobody wants to talk about full submission, full surrender, full obedience, because what if we reverse that and said, okay, this whole thing, time itself, this whole universe is to bring glory to God. And the only whole is me. I'm missing. Sin has separated me from God's story. Yeah. It has separated me from this person that I'm supposed to be as a son of God, as an M. Im- image bearer and so what if it's actually a me-shaped hole and not a god-shaped hole (laughs) because i don't listen the last thing i need is for god to come in and just make me better what i need is a new life yeah what i need is to died to sin <laughs> that was an accident right there oh okay no, that's somebody started calling me and i'm just gonna <laughs> leave that in there uh, yeah. somebody started calling me i picked up my phone and then i threw it on those sound pads on accident oh. <laughs> but it kind of worked you know um but what we need is 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 we need to to die to sin we need to be alive to christ that's that's what we need i don't need uh, for my sinful self to be made complete, I need right. I need a new life is what I need. And so, um, I'm trying to remember who said it. 
I, I can't remember who said it, uh, but it said, you know, God or Jesus didn't come to make bad men better. He come to make dead men come alive. Amen. Is, and so um, the important thing is, is, you know, how, how do we, you know, if, if someone's listening and they're, you know, maybe they don't know where they're at and they're in their walk with Christ. They don't know, you know, am I really, you know, a son or a daughter? Have I been reconciled to Christ? But I, I, I would say this, uh, look at what Adam and Eve, I want you to look at what they experienced right after the fall. Whenever they, uh, they have disobeyed, they have experienced this. And I want you to listen to this conversation that God has with them. You know, before he was walking with them, he was a father, loving father. But listen, this is what happens. And this is from Genesis 3, uh, 8 through 15. You can read, read through it. But in verse 9, God asks the question. He says, where are you? Where are you? Okay. Now, it's not that God wasn't omniscient and God didn't know exactly where Adam and Eve were. He knew where they were, but he asked this for their benefit, for them to understand exactly what it was. And so I think we can ask ourselves that question, too. Where are we? Where are we in this relationship as a son and daughter? Are we still separated from God? And so you may be listening to this right now, and you might want to ask yourself that question. Are you separated from God? Is your sin separating you from God? And so that question is in verse 9. Verse 11, God asked another question. He asked them, he says, who told you that? Okay, and so it goes mm. back to our identity and how we're forming our identity as image bearers of God or as sons and daughters who have been reconciled we can still believe a lie and we can still very, very, very much live a defeated life. We shouldn't. We should, we should not live a defeated life. If we've received God, if we've surrendered, we've turned from our sin, we need to be able to look at who, we, who, who it is that is telling us and commanding us what our identity is. Yeah, right. Because the enemy will lie to you in a heartbeat. You're not smart enough. You're not, you know, you're not good looking enough. You're, you're gone too far. And so you've done too much. God can't love you anymore. Yeah. And so what God says, and this is basically what God asked me in a certain is when, when I said I had done, done too much, I had fallen, I had done this, done that, and all those things. God just simply, simply looks at his son or looks at his daughter and says, who told you that? And with Adam and Eve, it's the same thing. The enemy had told him that. The great deceiver. Yeah. Now, I want you to listen to this. Satan is the father of lies. He's the great deceiver. But he's also accuser of the brethren. So he'll turn around, get you to believe a lie. If he can get you to believe a lie, then you're in contract with it. What, what has happened is, is he has introduced a lie to you. You're not smart enough. You're not pretty enough. You've done messed up too much. And then you turn around and say, yeah, that's right. And so now you have just went into agreement with the enemy. Yeah. And that's you're in agreement with the enemy. What you've done is you've just formed a stronghold, a, a, a stronghold in, in your life because 
Every thought, everything that you do based on that lie is going to be built on a foundation of a lie. Wow. Of something that's absolutely going to tear your life apart. And so if we could get down to this foundational understanding exactly of who we are and our identity in Christ, we can destroy these strongholds. Amen. Because everything that was built on top of that for years and years and years and years, you're not smart enough. You're not, you know, you're not pretty enough. You're not, you're not this, you're not that. Um, you're too, you're too stupid or you went too far. All, all those lies. And then everything that you build on your life on, on top of that can be brought down by destroying that foundation by, by as my friend, Michael Thompson, he, he says this, um, and I hope you guys can have him on the show sometime. He's a phenomenal, phenomenal guy. But but he says this, that we need to unsubscribe from those lies. We need to be able to, you know, just like we would unsubscribe for, you know, the political emails that I get like crazy. I don't yeah. For those. Or the, um, or the you know, the sales stuff. You know, all the, I, it, it's like Black Friday, Cyber Monday is when you figure out how many email lists you're on, right? So, <laughs> yeah, for um, real. So the the time that you unsubscribe from that. Well, I can't, if you're able to unsubscribe, you're able to demolish that stronghold. You're going to stop putting beliefs and belief systems in your life that are built on lies. So God asks, where are you? And then he asks, who told you that? The last question that God asks in verse 13 there is what have you done? So, what they had done is they had disobeyed God. They'd introduced sin into this world, which introduced brokenness. So there is this beautiful thing. Um, I believe it was Bob Goff who said, um, he said, it's not, uh, it's not what you look at. It's what you see that matters. Um, and a lot of times we see that story and we see this as this great tragedy of them being kicked out of the Garden of Eden. And it is, don't get me wrong, it is. But there's a couple other things that happen in this moment that we still see this relationship exists as sons and daughters. One of the first things that happened when Adam and Eve took a bite from this fruit and they disobeyed God is they saw their nakedness, which is they saw their shame. So God just doesn't just come and kick them out of the garden. He covers their shame. They're having to deal with the consequences of their sin. We're having to deal with the consequences of their sin. And praise the Lord, there's going to be a day when all things are made new. Yes. There's no more car accidents. There's no more cancer. There's no more heart attacks. There's no more, you know, math tests. There's no more, you know all these things that have been introduced into our life, jury duty, you know, uh, <laughs> through sin. All, all these things that have been introduced into our life through sin are not going to exist. But in this spot that we're at now, as Tolkien described it in the Lord of the Rings as Middle Earth, this middle area that's already and not yet, is... God still came in to heal and to cover their shame. He takes the he takes the skin of an animal 
our first recorded death in all of history. And this animal is sacrificed to be able to cover their shame. So, addressing this sin, God turns around and says, but wait, there's more. He's not doing an infomercial, but he's saying, wait, there's more. Man, he's looking at the servant, man will crush your head. Okay, this is Jesus. This is that great reconciliation. God has this beautiful, wonderful story. And we find out later in the New Testament that before the foundations of the earth, that God had already worked this out. God yeah. knew that he was going to give a free will. God knew that man was going to respond this way. Yeah. But the foundations of the earth, Paul Chapman, Roman, Jeremiah, were on his mind. And Praise he God. knew that he was going yes. to send Jesus to come and reconcile us. And so that that's a beauty of the gospel that we don't need to summarize. You know, there, there's a time to be able to give some bite-sized pieces, to give some milk of the word. But we as Christians, like everyday people who follow Christ or studying scripture, need to understand this full gospel story of exactly yeah. <clears throat> what is taking place and what our story is in that. Because the truth is, I don't need to become a better me at all. What I need to do is become like Jesus. Yes, amen. Yeah. And, yes. and I need, and this is a part of preparation. This is a part of me getting ready for this new heaven, this new earth that we will populate, that we will reign in, that we will reign with him in and, and, and understand. And so if, if people could just grasp this, if they could just get a hold of this and, and read the scripture with new eyes um, to understand these, to understand God's story in this and that it all surrounds him and his sovereignty and it's not about us it's not about us that's that's so true and and what we got to understand is you know you were talking about that foundation of hey i'm not good enough i'm not i'm not good looking enough i'm not smart enough i'm not all these things but we have to understand that that when he said man's going to crush your head and when we receive jesus romans 8 15 says best said for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into that fear. Yeah, absolutely. You you didn't receive that to fall back into that fear. But listen to what it says. It says, but you have received the spirit of adoption. You've been brought into me, into my family, into my likeness, into my inheritance, into who I am, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Mm -hmm. Instead of saying, hey, I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I can't do any of these things. Lord, here I am. I'm crying to you, Abba, Father. Fill me, lead me, guide me, and direct me into all that you have so I can complete what you have called me and set for me to do. Yeah. That's it, man. That is it. And so, so Paul, what that does, that once we understand our identity, that we've been adopted, that we are children of God, <clears throat> Jeremiah, once we understand the story of where we came from, our roots and our history, I believe that, that should, good, yeah. I believe that should give us boldness, Right. Mm -hmm. that, that should give Absolutely. us that should give us confidence now sometimes um i've this is well, something let me say real quick oh, it's going to give us boldness 
but not as a poser. And, and let me let me explain that. So a lot of times, you know, when we go back to earlier in our conversation where I was talking about these loud, boisterous guys that get out and they say all these, you know, very bold, wonderful things. But it's not it's based on them. It's based on, you know, hey, look at me, how how I am in Christ and, you know, I, and those sorts of things. But we can have this confidence we can have this true boldness, not as a poser, but actually as a son or a daughter of God. And it's kind of like, you know, even Jesus gives this explanation. I can't remember that exact scripture, you know, but basically, and, and I'll give some weird message version of this for us. You know, if I'm walking into my house, um, I can go open the fridge. I can pour me a glass of, of milk or, or water. I know where things are. Um, there's a certain amount of, of boldness, a certain amount of, of confidence that I have that I belong there. Okay. Mm -hmm. And there is a confidence that we can have in the gospel and a confidence we can have in our mission and calling and what we're here to be doing that should be, greatly reduce the anxiety in our life. It should greatly reduce trying to figure out what life's all about because we know at, at that point, you know, a lot of people are just really, really nervous and on edge about what it is that they're supposed to be doing in life. And so if we could rest in that and know we don't have to work up the courage as a poser and puff up our chest and say, Hey, look at me, you know, this, this thing, we're doing this as a son. We're doing this as someone who belongs exactly where God has put us. So I want to just to define that word bold, um, Jeremiah. That word bold actually means the courage to act. And we could probably do a podcast on that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah absolutely. The, the courage to act. But it's, uh, I mean, the Bible says that we've... Um, being called to be ambassadors of Christ. You said image bearers. We are, we, we carry the banner of Christ. We are his representatives. Mm -hmm. The Bible says we are walking epistles known and read of all men. When they were first called Christians at Antioch. Why? Because they acted like Christ. They mm -hmm. behaved like Christ. So there should be a certain amount of boldness that comes with, living a life that's pleasing unto the Lord. But it, boldness is the courage to act or speak fearlessly despite real or imagined dangers. And, and I was honestly trying to think about this topic, guys, and the word boldness and the anointing. Yes. That's something that I was trying to think in my mind. Is that... Are there similarities there? Because growing up, I never heard anybody talk about the anointing until this was later on in, in my life, you know, and, and in my ministry, whenever I had encountered that. And people would say, uh, we're just praying for the anointing of God to fall. Or, boy, he has the anointing. When he sings, when she sings, mm -hmm. they've got the anointing. Or when they preach, they've got the anointing. And uh, I don't think there's too much of a difference between the anointing and this boldness that we're talking about right here, because we've yeah. all been given that boldness. 
And I think when we talk about the anointing, some people think that there's some type of mystical or some type of spiritual endowment of, of power. And I will concede that there are some people who just have a, a gift when it comes to sharing a sermon or, 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 or delivering a song. But some of that is also a little bit of, um, uh, it's, it's very objective, you know, where people can, you just prefer a certain speaker over another, or you prefer a certain yeah. style of music, or it resonates with you a little bit more. And so I like this idea of, of boldness, that it, we proclaim and speak the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we're not afraid, we're not ashamed of the gospel. The early apostles, they, they, they were told, if you don't stop preaching and talking about Jesus, um, we're going to continue to whip you, we're going to continue to beat you, we'll probably even kill you. They go back and they pray for more boldness. Mm-hmm. They go back and they say, uh, Lord, let us, let us speak your word with all boldness. And the Holy Spirit come upon that place and shook that place. And those men became known as the ones who turned the world upside down. We've got to realize who we are in Christ, our identity, realize that we are sons and daughters of God, and speak boldly, live boldly in this present world. Um, now, I'm not talking about a, uh, a bravado and a boldness in the world that draws attention to us, mm-hmm. right? Uh, yeah. My wife likes to say that bravado is the hallmark of insecurity. Absolutely. You know that, um, and, and you know those people, uh, they're, they're fast talkers. Mm-hmm. Um, they have, uh, you know, a, 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 they can be confrontational. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not a confrontational person. Yeah. I'm that guy. I hate confrontation. You know, like there's some people, they wake up in the morning looking to argue. Yeah. They wake up looking for controversy. They're just begging for somebody to, to swerve into their lane and cut them off, you know, and they're going to give them the what for the -hmm. Bible says we're to be wise as serpents, but harmless as doves Mm -hmm. that we're to be humble. So guys, it's not talking about worldly boldness, but when it comes to the gospel, and living out your faith, we should be unapologetic in yep. how we live for the Lord Jesus Christ. We need yep. to know who we are. We need to know the message that we're carrying. Um, as, a, as a teacher, uh, as an educator, I'm licensed by the state of Tennessee to do what I do. And there's sometimes my students are like, Mr. Hamilton, why are we doing this? Well, First and foremost, because I said so. (laughs) (laughs) But secondly, because these are the state standards. A kid doesn't know that. Mm -hmm. You know, a a student will only learn what you teach them. But me, as as the educator, I have to realize what am I trying to accomplish here? What's the goal? What's the standard? What, am we, what are we trying to teach them here? What's the objective? But if I don't know the standard, if I don't know the objective, if I, if I don't know why I'm doing what I'm doing, well, that's going to trickle down into the students. We as believers, we, we ought to know the standard. We ought to know God's word. We ought to teach Absolutely. people the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, the Apostle Paul even said it to those men at Mars Hill. Yet you worship the unknown God. And uh, one, at one time, God winked at the ignorance of man. 
But now he commands all men everywhere to do what? To repent. To yeah. repent. And and we, as the image bearers of Christ, we need to know what God is calling us to do. Mm-hmm. It's a very serious thing whenever we uh, decide to follow after Jesus Christ. I also want to read uh, Proverbs 28, verse number 1. It says, The wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous yeah. are as bold as a lion. Yeah. Think about mm-hmm. that, guys. Mm-hmm. The wicked flee when no one pursues. You see a lot of people who have been falling out right now. They've been falling out of church because of COVID. Or they've been, they, they, they fall out of relationship with God because of persecution, because of perceived hardships. Listen, guys, I don't want to be that, I don't want to be that person who falls away. I don't want to be that person who denies my faith. I want to be bold as a lion. And you know what? Here's the thing about a lion. A lion knows who he is. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? He realizes that nobody's going to mess with him. Well, shouldn't we be that way as children of God? Shouldn't we be bold to say, hey, listen, uh, Hebrews chapter 3, verse number 6, Uh, Hebrews chapter 13, verse number six. So we can boldly say, the Lord is my helper. And I will not fear what man can do to me. Exactly. The apostle Paul said, for me to live is Christ. But to die is gain. Mm -hmm. Shoot, man. Frank's, uh, Paul, your dad's funeral service, celebration of life. That was one of the most powerful services I've been a part of. Mm-hmm. And Jeremiah, you are instrumental in that. I have been part of so many where we just, people just mourn and grieve when some, someone dies. Well, you know, the Bible says to sorrow not as those in the world who have no hope. And I see people who's like, I just don't know what I'm going to do when grandma dies. I had a lady from the church one time. She was asking me, and I don't say this lightly, but she was praying. She said, Roman, I want you to pray for sister so-and-so. Pray for God to heal her. Pray for the Lord to do a great work because she needs it. And I was like, okay, well, we're going to be praying. Well, can you tell me the situation, circumstance? Yeah, she's she's sick. And I was like, well, how old is she? She's 87. And I thought to myself, good grief. She, this woman's probably not wanting to be healed. She's probably ready to go home. Why are we trying to hold on to people? You know, why? That's a selfish thing that we try to do. Yeah. Yeah. Why do we not try to say, hey, listen, my father, he left me a testimony. And I know that he's now alive in Christ or my my son, my daughter, uh, you know, my family, my, my loved one. We have this hope now in Christ. That's that's what we have. And when a, when a child of God goes home to be with the Lord, we ought to celebrate that. Now, granted, mm-hmm. I know that there's exceptions where there are just certain tragedies that happen, okay? Uh, I mean, Jeremiah, like you said earlier, there's, there's a car accident, there's a this, there's a that. I mean, I realize we, we grieve and we mourn at times, but again, the, the Holy Spirit is our comforter. He's our, he's our peace during that time. Mm-hmm. But Paul, guys, I don't know about okay. you, but, you know, that was one thing that I found comfort in. You know, my dad died at 50 when I was 2000. Or, yeah. 
He bought at 50 in the year 2000. Um, yeah. And that was something. There was a very, very, very strange piece there. Now, did I mourn him? Absolutely. Um, was, I miss, was I standing there in disbelief and surreal and all those things? Absolutely. But there was also, and there still is, there is a just overwhelming piece of where he's at. And so when we, yeah. when we know the full story and we believe the whole story and we understand that, you know, just like it says in, um, oh man, I'm trying to remember the verse now, but where it says, you know, where Paul tells, you know, people do not, don't mourn as the unbelievers, you right. know, he yeah. didn't say don't mourn. He said, don't mourn as the unbelievers because they yeah. simply went to sleep. You know, we're going to see them again. We're going to know them again. Amen. And that's yeah. something, you know, that's going to be perfected, man. Um, you know, Frank's, we're going to see something in Frank we've never seen before. We're going to see Frank with a glorified body that has not yeah. been messed with polio, has not yeah. been. You know, there's going to be some things that we see and experience. And because we know that whole story, we, you know, we can have that boldness. So, yeah. Amen. And so I think, I think, guys, once we understand who we are in Christ, once we understand the mission, once we understand the purpose and what we're called to do, the Apostle Paul said, Ephesians 6, 19, that the words were given unto me, opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the gospel. So godly boldness, <clears throat> this anointing that we had talked about, is motivation to share the gospel, motivation to share the truth. And guys, the truth is one of those things that's missing in our self-centered culture. Paul, that was one of the reasons why we started this podcast, which I love the name, Truth Revival. Yeah, We need to bring back the truth, but what it requires us to do is to set aside our natural desire for comfort and popularity. I can't tell you guys how difficult it is as a pastor right now to want to preach feel-good sermons. You know, you don't want to <laughs> condemn anybody. You just want to accept oh, everybody, you know. Or and, and I want to also say this to all of our preachers, pastors, ministers out there. Do not base the success of your sermon on how many people move to the altar. Absolutely. God yeah. has not called us to draw people to the altar. He's called us to show to sow the seed. He's called yeah. us to share the gospel. Okay. We've been we've been conditioned to go on visible response. Mm -hmm. and, and we're not we're not serving a, a, a visible I mean he is visible. We're not we're not serving a visible God. We're we're serving an invisible God that works from the inside out. Right. And yeah. we're always looking at things from the outside. And we got to understand that, Roman. Yeah, there's people that will, you know, and I've done it before where I've preached uh, a message that I felt was so convicting, was so appropriate that, you know, the Holy Spirit had given me that time that I got up and said, you know what, you know, I'm not going to give an altar call at this moment. I'm not going to, um, because at the end of the day, what God doesn't need you to come forward and make a decision god needs you to go out and live what you've experienced and what he's experienced in your life now there is the moment you know i 
had this experience at an altar call and went forward. But there's, you know, um, there's times where we don't need to just come forward or we're, we shouldn't be looking at the opportunity to ask people to respond by coming forward or raising a hand or something like that. They need to go out and live what it is that the Holy Spirit just spoke to them through God's Word. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so, and, and that's one of those things. That's a golden cow in a lot of churches that if you don't have that altar call, man, you haven't preached. I've, I've said, <laughs> yeah, I've said this before, Jeremiah. How many more Sunday school lessons can people sit through before they'll yeah. get up and do something? How many more instructional sermons can we sit through that tells us what to do in Christ <clears throat> before we actually say, you know what, I'm going to take that word and apply it to my heart. I'm going to become a disciple of Jesus yeah. Christ. I'm going to put that into practice. I'm going to begin to do that or implement that, which I've, I have now heard. I mean, I think we just, um, I have, I said this before. I feel like in church, people have become spiritually obese. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they, have, they have become yeah. spiritually obese because we just sit in church and we eat and we eat and we eat and we eat from a, this spiritual food and we're getting fed, but we never exercise it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we become spiritually obese. We become lazy on God. Well, Not, and that's because discipleship was never designed and never happened in a study guide. It, it never happened in a devotional book. It happened in apprenticeship with other Christians with, you know, we see this Paul, we see him walking with Timothy, with Titus, and they're gone on mission. Yes. He wrote some things to them and yes, they read them or had them read to the entire church and those things. But true discipleship was never, never meant to be orchestrated through a study guide or devotional. Now, are those tools that you could use? Yes, absolutely. But it's only a small part of what true discipleship is. Yeah. You want to truly revolutionize your teenagers and your church. If you truly want to get out of the norm of trying to build a youth group, but you want to build disciples, what you're going to do is you are going to start taking them with you to do ministry. Whatever it is that you're going to do ministry-wise, take them with you. Mm -hmm. Put them in the car with you. Take the church van. Do whatever you get to. Call it a missions trip. Call it a yellow monster, if you want to call it. (laughs) Whatever you want to call it. But that is the true discipleship. You take them on the road with you and you take them given ministry and given them opportunities. And and that's one thing I've been learning, you know, is, um, you know, recently I've got a young man that I'm, um, that I'm mentoring in, in the word. And so what I'm doing is I'm a bunch of my speaking appointments, you know, FCA speaking to football teams, or, um, you know, we have a cowboy church that, uh, that I'm also pastoring right now. And I only speak about half the time, if not less than that, because I'm putting other people in there and, mm-hmm. and, and training them up, you know, because guess what? It's not about me. <laughs> it's not. And, and the, one of the biggest ways that I can live out loud and this should, you know, been one of the show notes or whatever, what is, 
is to invest in the next generation. Mm. Yeah. I mean, that's one Amen. of the most powerful things that we could do. And I'm telling you what, there are a lot of churches that are messing up right now. And I will tell them all day long. There is, and, and we're starting to see it. It's been, uh, quote unquote, prophesied for years and years and years. There's going to be a great falling away in our country. And, and it is happening now. Churches, you know, COVID was the was just the kick in the pants that a lot of churches needed to, to, to actually close. And they're closing because they're not investing in the next generation. Yep. They're pacifying the preferences of the generation that pays the tithes <coughs> and the offerings, and they're not living yep. the gospel by building into the next generation. That, that real, to use your word, the truth revival that needs to happen in this in this uh, in this generation. And so, if you're serious about obeying God, and um, yeah, if you're a pastor that's listening, and and I would love to have that conversation, love to call and you know, uh, talk with you, please, uh, e email, get, get my information, however you need to do that. I would love to talk more and more about that because, um, man, if you're, if you're serious about that, you're going to invest in the next generation. In fact, I'm going to, I'm going to say this, you're going to make it the main ministry of your church. You are going yeah. to make, it's not one of those things, uh, where, it needs to be just a little side ministry. The call is desperate right now. The call is Amen. desperate and it's got to, it's got to happen right now. Well, Amen. guys, let's, um, let's try to wrap this up with that in mind. And I think Paul, that, that all goes back to again, and what you said in the garden, Jeremiah, about go forth, be fruitful and multiply. That's it. God has yeah. called us to multiply the kingdom. So, um, yeah, Closing thoughts here, guys. Let's wrap this up. We've been going for for a little while, and um, my computer is actually saying it's about to die right now. So uh, let's see. I'm at ten percent. So we've got a oh, few wow. more we, minutes. We got enough time to get through. Yeah. 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 So so Jeremiah, just um, just give us your give us your clothes closing thoughts, and uh, and then we'll let Paul wrap us up here. We want to yeah, thank you absolutely. for being on. Thank you very much for uh, yeah. So. Um, Coming on the show. Nothing better to say than than understanding uh, your story. I think you can look back. Uh, all of us know that we're broken. We know that we've sinned, that we've come short of God's glory. And I think we could look at God's questions there and and where are we? Who who told us that? And and what did we do? Um, and, and the next thing is 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 looking what God has promised us in in Jesus. And, and whether, um, whether you're far from God and sin has separated you from God and, and you know that and, and you're listening and, and you know that you need to turn from sin and put your full faith and trust in Jesus, you can do that right now. But also know that there are a ton of people that are Christians that have made that decision, but they have continued to believe the lie. They've continued to experience um, a life of regret and a life of mistakes based because they've believed these lies and they've built their life on, on those uh, things. And so the same, the same is true for you. If that if that's you, life can be different. There is a greater story here, 
And if we can learn to die to sin and live in Christ and abandon the things that are weighing us down, like Paul says, and truly just hang on to Jesus and be willing to trust Him and to walk out in His story instead of our own, mm. man, you're going to find yourself in a place of boldness, yes. a place of power, and a place of rest. There's yes. a place of rest there. So I would encourage you uh, to get in the Scripture, to look in the story, to to reach out. Um, I, I'll, I'll give out my cell phone number. Okay, and I would love to talk to anybody that wants to talk. Uh, my cell phone number is 770-530-9175. 770-530-9175. Feel free to call or to text me. And I would love to be able to sit and just hear your story where you're at now. And for us to talk about that, us look at Scripture and to be able to uh, talk talk those things out and just to see yeah. where you're at. So. Awesome. Paul, close us out, man. Whew. Uh, it's been awesome. Uh, just, I mean, we're all family, but Jeremiah's a little more blood family. So it's been really good to just reunite with him and reconnect. And I know for so many years he's been doing his thing and I've been doing mine, but I really feel like for some reason, God's going to put us back together Amen. and, uh, and do some things, uh, because he's got he's got a big influence where he's at, and we've got a big influence here where we are. So together we can just we can conquer more things that we need to conquer. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So I, I want to say this: we as a church have focused on man-made kingdoms and buildings far too long, and when this is our motive, we live in a crystal ball of confusion. It points to a lost and dying world that's in a tailspin and has no hope because we as believers are so wishy-washy in what we say we believe that we have no real truth to trust in or hope in. And Jesus says this, he says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And when you have exposure to the truth, it makes you become truthful with yourself. And when you become truthful with yourself, it leads to recognition of the void in your life, which leads to confession, which leads to healing. And that leads to victory, overcoming by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. Truth brings you face to face with heartache and heart to heart with everything the world tries to divide us with. So here's the thing. Jesus has to be our goal. Jesus has to be our vision and our consuming objective to abide in his presence. His presence is the anointing. His presence breaks the yoke. His presence builds the kingdom. Then and only then will we live out loud and promote that which overcomes the undying, the unfailing love of the Lamb of God, the one true living God, the Son of God, Jesus. That's it. Uh, <laughs> got him all worked up right there at the end. Paul, thank you, man. Uh, Jeremiah, thank yeah, you for thank coming you on the show. Thank you so much. And guys, that's going to do it for us today. This has been episode 25 of Truth Revival. Uh, if you haven't already liked us on Facebook, be sure to check us out, Truth Revival 37385. And also, um, we want to thank Jeremiah Chapman for coming on board again today. Be sure to like and share the show. Subscribe. All that stuff helps. Guys, God bless you. We're out of here. <laughs>